Welcome to episode 12 of the Half and Half Club. Thank you for listening in today and to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Uh, we apologize for no episode last week. We're working through some production difficulties, some hurdles. I wouldn't say difficulties, but we apologize for the audio as it's not as clear as it normally is. But it was a great interview and it was really one of our first interviews uh, with Kristen Semler, our friend and physician's assistant. So we wanted to do whatever we could to get the audio. We finally got it. And again, it's not as clear as it usually is. We're going to clean that up on our end. But um, enjoy today's episode. We talk about UAPs, more commonly known as UFOs, Benjamin Franklin, and laundry. So stay tuned and let's go. super careful when you're taking it, just make sure it's verified by like a third party if it's not verified by the FDA. What, what kind of third parties? Are so there's, I forget, I forget the exact names. I took a course on this actually in undergrad, but um, but like some, like I think Nature Made might be verified by like a third party company who basically tests the ingredients and makes sure the ingredients in the bottle and like the, mm-hmm. like the um, amount of every ingredient is the same as what they actually are are labeling. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, it's, I, I've i heard this, and I just looked it up to verify it, but no vitamins are approved by the FDA. Exactly. That's so not, no, yeah. zero vitamins. Anything that says vitamin on it doesn't have to be approved by the FDA. Exactly. You can have whatever the fuck you want in it. Yeah. 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 See, exactly. That is, that is what a lot of people don't know. It's wild. Jeez. That's insane. Yeah. It's not crazy. So, but the FDA regulates so many. So, what does the FDA regulate then? I mean, obviously, so the, the FDA regulates anything prescription. And so, for example, you can. So, for example, we can. You can get over-the-counter potassium supplementation, right? I can also prescribe that though. And so, the prescribed version is going to be regulated by the FDA because it's coming through a pharmacy. But the ones you can buy over-the-counter at your CVS, your Walmart, stuff like that, you don't know. You know, you hope it's just potassium, the electrolyte. Yeah, just roll the dice. Yeah. Okay. But is that, is there a third-party verification system for that, too? Or? So we just have so to, only like, for, So only for the ones over-the-counter, not for one. Or, excuse me, only the ones that are prescription, not over-the-counter. Damn. So could you sell steroids at a supermarket? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, if you made them illegally and didn't go through the FDA, sure. But most of the time, you need a you mean uh, performance prescription for it. Yeah. 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 So, like, my thing is, she's saying like none of the vitamins you buy over the counter are regulated by the FDA. So, like, who's checking them? Like, who's making sure that there's not illegal substances in there or like performance enhancers? That's why you don't know. Unless it's verified by a third party. So basically another company takes it, tests it, makes sure it's verified of what they're putting out on the label. But the FDA does not regulate that, that stuff. That's crazy. It's not wild. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And do you think it's just... Like, why is that? Is there just lobbyists that... 
you know, manage to have influence, or is it like leave some people because there's so many supplements out there now? So yeah, and that's why you know the FDA has. I feel like the FDA has a lot of different areas that it has to cover, so not just like. Right. prescription drugs, but to do vitamins and have to have all supplements be FDA approved, I feel like it would be such a long process. Because the approval for drugs is, yeah. and like big pharma and stuff, is massive. It will take years for drugs to come out on the market and stuff like that. So I think that just the process would just be overly kind of time consuming for it to happen. I, but I bet it'd be costly too for some of these supplements, like you know, they're they're pretty expensive as it is right now. Exactly. Actually, I think they were saying you know raw creatine like tripled in price in the past five years or something. Like the wholesale price mm-hmm. used to be the sale price, and now I was like, just listening to Nick Bader and oh, uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. Yeah. Chris Williams to talk about that. That they are the wholesale price is more than what they used to sell it for. Yeah. And I bet you maybe maybe there's some third party verification verification or something that's adding to the cost or I don't know maybe they're all I think there was some supply chain issues in there as well there's some other things I was going to say kind of cost or like um, what's it called what's it called when you need something supply and demand that also has something to do with it Um, but at the same time you also wonder if creatine are they putting something else in there to try and cut it and it makes it cheaper for them but they can still up the price yeah. People don't notice it, and that's where I just get really kind of like per- just personally worried that like what is actually in these. And it's not like all these labels have the craziest words. Mm-hmm. On a percentage of how many words are labeled, do you know like a good percentage of them, or do you? It it truly depends. Like some of the ingredients, maybe, and like side effects, I understand stuff yeah. like that, but. You know, to like read some of the stuff and like manufacture stuff, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Jesus. How often do you prescribe? I'm sure it's every day you prescribe some someone, but what is it mostly like for? Yeah, so usually, so I work specifically in cardiology and then within that specifically for heart rhythms. So a lot of times I'm prescribing medications to help people's heart rate standard control, people's heart rhythms to keep people in normal rhythm and not go into any abnormal rhythms. And then um, I also do, so our practice, we do pacemaker implants as well. And that can cause a lot of pain afterwards. So I do actually prescribe a decent amount of narcotics, more than I like thought that I would. Yeah. yeah, so which, you know, that unlocks a whole can of worms. But um, but yeah, I have like a DEA waiver. so. If I want to, if you know, if I do it online, it's a lot easier because I'm registered as an atrium employee. I can just go into my patient's chart, send it electronically, and it's good to go. But if I have to, if I have to call something into a pharmacy, I have to give my DEA number, my NPI number, my um, like sometimes they want my license, but usually not, and then I have to give all that info. She's going crazy. That's she's yeah. ready. I just put her in there. Okay. Yeah. Dang. So, all right. Um, how long have you been a PA course? So, I graduated August of 2021 from school, and then started, and then so I graduated early August. Mm-hmm. Took my boards at the end of August. Okay. Worst experience of my life. It was horrible. 
Um, and then I started working, so I started working as a PA technically September 2021, but I did a fellowship for the first year. So basically I rotated, took a pay cut to rotate through all different aspects of cardiology specifically. Mm-hmm. And then from there I found EP and I just loved the team. And so they had an opening and they brought me on. Okay, so what, what about the profession shocked you that no one ever told you about in school, in PA school, and, and is there anything? So I would say, not that it really shocked me, but, was what, but what was a little bit more of an eye-opener is that, so PA school, you go through, basically, it's two, my program was two years and three months of the most rigorous schooling ever. I always tell people, you cannot pay me to go do PA school again, unless it was like a million dollars. Like, that would probably be like my minimum, because it was just horrible. But they train you very, very well. But PA school, and I didn't believe this until I actually lived through it, PA school doesn't train you to be a provider. It trains you to pass your boards. Where you Uh learn to be a provider is actually on the job and, like, actually dealing with people and real-life situations, not just, like, test questions. So that was probably, like, the biggest, like, wake-up call when I first started. Uh, So I'm curious how that relates. And you said you started working as a PA in August of 2021, which is right after you passed your boards. Mm -hmm. And you also mentioned you decided to do the fellowship, which is a pay cut, but you get to rotate. Mm -hmm. So is that an option or is that kind of expected that you would do that first? Yeah, so it's it's not mandatory like it is for physicians, right? Mm -hmm. So physicians, they have to go to their four years of med school. Then they usually do a residency. Um, and then if after that they can either decide to practice after they complete their residency or go into fellowship for more specialized training. Um, but for PAs, as soon as you pass your boards and you get your license, you can start right away. Um, and you can just start working right away. Whoever will hire you, you can start ASAP. Um, the fellowship I really found was a good option as kind of like a bridge between getting right out of school and becoming a new provider, um, and I'm so grateful for that experience, but and, and it's, not, is, it's not mandatory. Is, do you feel that the benefit of it is more so, like you said, because PA school prepped you to take a test versus be a provider, and the fellowship is a little more hands-on, or is it the case that the fellowship kind of like accelerates your career potential and it, it, there's like upside financial in the back end? Yeah, so, so I think a little bit of both, because the fellowship, basically it gives you time to work as a provider, but also it gives you specialized time to learn too. So it was super nice that I was able to have the chance to like see patients, but instead of having 14 patients, which I, you know, that's usually what I see in a full day. I see 14 patients, 30 minute slots, but I, I would only need to take like one or two patients and I could just really take my time, get to know the patient, make sure I wasn't making any mistakes. And you kind of had your other, you know, we had someone who's with us who put on the program, and it's kind of like your safety net, to be quite honest. And now, I mean, I still have providers I can go to if I have questions and stuff like that, but I don't really have as much of a, you know, I'm more independent than I was when I first started in the fellowship. Do you think 14 is too much for one day, or do you think that's... That, so it really depends. I've heard of patients having, or providers having 15-minute slots, and I just think, well, what exactly? How can, you, how can you pay attention and, like, look, you know... Acutely into, into one patient. Exactly. How how regimented are these slots too? Is it like there's like a an eight thirty and then like a nine, or is it like generally you go and you'll spend thirty minutes with someone? If it takes like forty five, that's okay. You go to the next one, maybe one takes twenty. Is it kind of like you float 
and you just generally see 14 or is it like I need to be here this yeah. specific time? Yeah, so our schedule is 8.15, 8.45, 9.15, 9.45, all the way. Our last one in the morning is at 11.15. Um, so that will get us to 11.45, second when we end. Then next patient comes at 12.45, and I either end, my last patient being at 3.15 or 3.45. So it is regimented to some degree, but if I have a patient who's really, really sick, I'm going to need to spend more time with them. And I'm just going to have to be late on my other patients and just say, hey, sorry, I'm running a little bit late, mm-hmm. and then kind of give them. So you have that for you. That's why I was spending so much bit. time waiting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, why med- that's why I can get so backed up. busy. Yeah, I'm busy, man. Yeah. Deal with my patients. Helping them out. You got p- places to be people to see, man. So it's this fellowship thing. Um, how did you, like, you have to apply to these, right? And then they have to, like, select you. Like, it, what, what's, it, I know there's the difference with the medical school. They're like, oh, we, what do they call it? Matched or something like that. Is that fellowship school? Is that? Yeah, so that's, so our cost is a little bit different. So the medical match is like you go on all these different interviews and then you like rank them basically and then they kind of someone matches you up and then it's 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 crazy um it's wild but for this fellowship yeah it's 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 more similar to like a job so you apply to the fellowship give your resume um and then you know we went on a an interview and then after that you're selected and then you you sign on so yeah okay that makes sense i mean there's like that in business too, like you know, you go to GE and like work in several different offices every couple of years or something like that. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like a rotational program. A rotational program, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's and it probably helps you like choose what you like to. Right? Exactly, it's super helpful in figuring out a what you like, and then also b I you know I wasn't sure if did I want to stay in North Carolina? Did I like Atrium? So it's a really nice way to kind of test the waters as well and also have people test you and see you know do they like working with you will you be a good fit in this group versus this group and so after the fellowship is it expected that you get a, like a full-time offer to come back that's or is that is that not, variable yeah not always i mean they hope to retain because when you're putting so much time into training mm-hmm. These people, you know, you hope to retain them, but sometimes if there aren't positions available, um, as people have, you know, some people do just come here for the fellowship, and then if they have family elsewhere, they might move back or something. And so, it, so it really it's, it's a contract then. It's like a one-year contract. One-year, one-year contract. Yeah, exactly. Just one year, I was guaranteed, and then about kind of a little bit more than halfway, I, I signed on full time to start once oh, wow. my fellowship ended. Yeah. So kind of September 2022, when my fellowship ended, I took a week break and then started full-time next day, pretty much. Yeah. Took a week break, started next day. day after, well, the day, day after, after my day. week vacation. It was great. I went home. Uh, are these just... So I, I know there's a lot of talk about, like, traveling nurses and stuff. Is that applied? You know, the whole traveling nurses are getting paid more than the resident nurses and you know, sometimes a trauma nurse really isn't a trauma nurse. They, they live there and they just serve their kids like tenants mm-hmm. more or something. So yeah. what's, yeah. Your, what's your take on what's going on there? That's why they don't really, so they don't really have that for PAs. What they did have was they were offering kind of like travel little stints for COVID mm-hmm. to have like PAs go up to um, New York and really help out in those like hotspot areas where there were just tons and tons of cases. Um, but they don't really have that for PAs generally. Um, and so, yeah, with, with the nursing, with traveler nursing, 
I think it's really hard, or even just being in the float pool, it's hard because, like, I know, so our cardiac floor is 6A, and, you know, I work behind that, I work behind the little kind of edge there, and so I, like, know most of my nurses there, usually know them all by name, but they don't really, but, like, if we have a traveler, I don't really know them as well, so it's hard to build, like, rapport with your nurses when you're a traveler, like, provider-nurse relationship, and also kind of having your other nurses supporting you. I think it's just a little bit harder, but at the same time, it's a great gig, so, mm-hmm. you know, why not? What, what is the sentiment like between, like, just generally between, like, PAs or NPs or someone who have had to do more schooling than a normal nurse would be, and then all of a sudden this, like, huge need for travel nurses breaks out, and nurses, travel nurses are now making, like, a lot more money than you may be as someone who's, like, more educated. Like, is there is there any, like kind of beef there between it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it beef. I think it's... I don't know. It's hard because also I know that nursing is so short-staffed these days, so I do understand where it's coming from and the need for it, and, and I think that travel nursing is kind of like a um, like a, a temporary fix to a, to a lot larger problem, but, you know, I mean, does it irk me when I hear... The travelers can make ten times as much as me, and I went through like double the school a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, it, it is what it is, though. But is that sustainable? Like now, Why? now the like COVID has died down. I feel like travel nursing pay has decreased significantly. That's just my outsider look. Yeah, and it, it might, to be quite honest, I. You know, of course, it was super big during COVID, but prior to COVID, travel nursing was, was still big. And, um, you know, I had a lot of friends who, when I worked as a nursing assistant before I went to PA school, we had a lot of people who left for travel jobs because they wanted to, I had a friend, you know, one of my nursing friends moved to Arizona, another one moved to, you know, Lord knows where, across the country, just to be able to experience it. So it is offered other places. Um, but I, but they weren't getting compensated at the rate that yeah. you might see, you may or may not see today. So yeah. that's why I don't think it's sustainable at the at the amount they're paying necessarily. But I think that honestly, it's just healthcare is like so desperate and so messed up at this time that it's just filling a filling a need, an immediate need. Yeah. Do you think Do you think it's kind of the change that hospital administrators? Do you think it sparks? the need for change for hospital administrators, I guess I'll say, because because like you mentioned, there were so many people like hospitals couldn't retain their local nurses because travel nurses were making so much more that they just either leave to go be travel nurses or somehow like finagle the system to be travel nurses and live in the same spot and mm-hmm. then make more money. And obviously whoever's running the hospitals, like they noticed that that's a real financial impact to them. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, that there's any kind of like reform that happens in the medical industry because of that? That's why I think I think maybe I just healthcare these days is just so wild I would say it's just a lack of to have a good descriptor Um, and it's just kind of so backwards but healthcare I think nowadays is more about business and Mm -hmm. kind of corporations now and I was actually um, this is kind of interesting one of my attendings I was actually recently talking to about this um, saying about how, you know, it's become a business now, less yeah. than a form of, form of, form of, yeah, getting people care. 
Um, so in, in the old days, before Sanger apparently was associated, and Sanger is the cardiac clinic that I work with, um, before, not the clinic, I don't know a good name for that. Yeah, Sanger Clinic. Before they were affiliated with Atrium, at the end, at the, at the end of the year, when payments were getting due, and prior to the new year happening, if um, physicians had if physicians had patients with like dues or bills they still had to pay, they could lobby to get it expunged, and the physicians would take a little bit of a pay cut to help pay for the care of their patients. Hmm. Well, you will Whoa. never hear about that these days. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm saying like. As you said, Dom, that it's becoming more like more of a business. As you said, it's got to be tough for a lot of people that want to enter the field of healthcare because they enter it wanting to help people, not entering it to make it a business. Exactly. I think that's kind of conflicting for a lot of people. I bet. Yeah. No, I, I think definitely, especially because you know half of my not half of my fellowship, but a lot of my fellowship was also, and a lot of you know learning my new job was how do I bill? How do I get the highest? How do, I, how do I write this note in order to reflect the highest billing that I can get back from these patients? But also, how do I still help them? Yeah, but it's also like insurance, right? Like, you know, yeah. yeah so, so just some stats from this definitive healthcare article, just high level about the business. Some of the average hospital uh, revenue is, what, $207 million? And the expenses are slightly higher at two hundred nine million. So it is expensive to be in the hospital business. So it really is. And then, and then when you go, you know, private versus public as well too. They have different, you know, restrictions yeah. and things that they have to meet. And if you want to become a center that reimburses or that um, a center that has that allows for Medicare as well and like Medicaid. You have to have certain requirements there as well. So I mean, I mean, it is very expensive to run, and that is why we have to. But you, you know, feel the impact every day. Our billing, yeah. See, that's I mean, crazy. Like, yeah. You would think that a good medical organization, without having this insider knowledge, would be like, you take care of the patients, we'll take care of the rest. But that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Wow. How do you feel? Pretty educated on all that stuff, like the the billing and. Like the system and, and you know pharmacy managers and yeah, I mean probably not as much as I should be. You know, I think I can I can get by here. But when patients are like, you know, when I talk about a procedure with a patient, like getting a pacemaker, how much does that cost? I have no idea, to be quite honest. And that's just not something, you know, it's a not something you're definitely not taught in PA school. And B, unless I'm asking like my higher ups and my, you know, we have a, a business side to our, you know, of course the business managers and stuff like that. Unless I'm asking them, I have no clue how much that costs. I just do I know it, do I know it brings a lot in for the hospital? Yes. But right, do I know that it Yeah, yeah. I have a theory and now I have nothing to back this up. This is strictly skeptical. Strictly theory. Yeah. But that's what that's what this podcast is for. Yeah. Like the facts. They, they <laughs> I think there's enough data out there on all of us that they can use an algorithm to determine one, our likelihood of paying, two, how much could we afford, three, like, and then basically use that to then bill us later, right? That's why you get bills late after you've been given care. And they don't give you transparency up front because I bet you it's different to everyone. So, so you're saying they would bill two people differently for the same level of care? If, I mean, if I'm in the insurance business, yeah, I'm doing that. 
even though I hate to say well, it, like for insurance, yeah. But that that's what drives prices, really, right? It's really insurance. Well, don't you already pay a little bit above? Yeah. yeah, you already pay differing amounts for insurance based on your like health risk. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yes. So that's why it's my. But your insurance would get you the same coverage. Like, say, if I have more health risk than you, and we get the same insurance policy, I might have to pay more for it because I'm more at risk, and they're expecting that I'm going to have more claims against my policy right. than you will. Yeah. But it's like it's the medical side of things should still charge the. You think the medical you, procedure is the same? It should that. cost the same, yeah. And your insurance covers. It would be so unethical. But, but then why isn't there a price transparency? To me, that's the simplest thing is what is the price of a pacemaker? You mm-hmm. tell me before you put it in. Because everything's afterwards. Yeah. Right? And, you know, some people mm-hmm. want to know, and sometimes we do need insurance authorization before we go through with some of these procedures. Of course, it's if, if it's, you know, emergent, that obviously trumps everything. We, we go do it because patient needs it. But if it's an outpatient, you know, pacemaker, usually they get authorization from the insurance of kind of. But at the same time, I don't know how much that covers. I don't know how much the patient will yeah. pay. And that's probably that's like that. very variable. Yeah, and that also doesn't account for if something goes wrong during the procedure, the patient's going to be admitted. They're going to need a higher level of care usually, may need a, a couple days stay. And that, of course, changes everything. So it's, mm. and it's, it's, it's hard to predict those things, too. Mm-hmm. It's such a difficult business it's because so it's there, there's so, so, many, so many factors. Well, there's so much, there's there's so many ethical considerations. Yeah, when you think about like the service of healthcare, like to me, like if I'm gonna have something that's like if I don't get this, I'm gonna die. The value I'm willing to pay for it, realistically, is like everything I have. You know, so it's like how do you put how do you put Right, and then you factor in all the liability that comes with it too, like the liability behind the healthcare industry, tacked on top of everything you just said, makes it that much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let's talk technology in the future, artificial intelligence. Is that a conversation you guys are hearing? I mean, we just went over some of your apps on your phone. Yeah. That looked like pretty darn. Like a regular, like you know, a regular person could start to use it. Yeah, I knew you were gonna bring this here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just curious, I'm just curious more of you guys. Like what, what Alex is trying to say is, it looks pretty easy to do your job. Yeah, yeah, and we think computers could do it. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> okay, listen to Ryan. See if you can listen to Ryan's. Oh yeah, okay, let's let's see. See. yeah. Or I'll wait till you're done listening to Mark. First of all, let's see if you plug the stethoscope on right. Good job. You well, that's, that's, really, that's the hardest part. Wait, yeah. We'll have to cut this out as a video. I would have done it the other way. Really? Alright. No. Oh, yeah. That looks right. That looks right. Do you hear it? That's a, that's that's a thick heartbeat you got there. How many BPMs? How many BPMs? Did you actually hear it? Yeah, yeah. I actually heard it. That hurt job. Job. That's impressive. Okay. Yeah. Do you want a job? Are you Are you looking for a career change? Just kidding. Yeah, I mean, but I'm only going to do heart, heart rhythms and, and listen through stuff. That's good. That's yeah, all I need to do. I will say, so so from an AI standpoint, with regards to, like, you know, treating people, I think technology is, is going to be the future of medicine, hands down, no doubt. And especially with, um, with even heart rhythms specifically. So we have, let me pull up a little picture for you guys here. Can I connect to this still? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so we have these implantable loop recorders, 
and basically what it is, so it's a heart monitor that gets implanted slightly under your skin, mm. and Kristen's pulling this up on uh, on Google and shared it on AirPlay on the on our TVs, which I can about. Okay, so do yeah. you see this little guy right here? So this tiny little thing. Yeah. It's about kind of you know it looks like it's a little bit smaller than like a USB port. It's like the, half the size of your pinky. Yeah. It looks yeah. like a paperclip filled in. Anything but the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> what is a kilometer? Um, but. <laughs> Truly, though, I have questions about that later. But um, so this goes. This is implanted slightly under your skin, kind of to the left of your breastbone, and it monitors your heart rhythm. And so, actually, one of these companies is starting to use AI to make their. So what it's looking for is any abnormal heart rhythms, right? Because we we know normal. We know what normal is. We're looking for abnormal when we implant these in somebody, and. So one of the companies is actually using AI to help kind of make the make the detection for the abnormal rhythms a little bit more better, like better and more accurate. So AI is being used, you know, I'm not sure in the way of you just walk into a computer and it tells you what's going on, but AI is being used in healthcare and you know, technology like this did not exist, you know, 20 years ago. Who does, it, who does it notify with, you know, whenever there's an irregular heartbeat? Mm -hmm. So it notifies, so we have a device clinic that's attached to kind of our our office, so it's like right across the hall from us, um, and it notifies them. So they get our, our, we have a bunch of nurses who run our device clinics for us. They get a notification of it, um, and they send it to whoever either implanted it or whoever's following them. So that's how they get the... Um, the notification of it, and then we kind of go from there on, on treatment. Wow. Based on what the rhythm is and the situation. So do you feel like, do you feel any risk that AI would replace jobs in healthcare, or do you think it just enables uh, better decision making? Better decision making, yeah. Yeah, I think it more so enables rather than, rather than replaces, especially yeah. because, um, one of the things that that often is really not undervalued, I don't want to you know, go that far, but one of the things that is often overlooked is just the interview portion of when you're when you're with your patients. Mm -hmm. What are their symptoms? When are they having them? It's it's the basics that you learn going into school, but you're but everyone's always focused on tests and stuff like this, you know, to try and help define and diagnose and. Stuff like that. Whereas, if you sometimes if you just sat and talked to your patient and figured out what's going on, you could and did a really good physical exam, you could figure out what's what the problem. Is. I feel like too, like people want to be fibbing. Sometimes, if it's electronic, people could kind of say things in a way to get a certain result, which might be bad. But sorry, what were you saying? No. So you're saying is you know people are looking past the the human the aspect of healthcare instead yeah. of looking at the technology and artificial intelligence and tests and all that. I think a little you bit. Think that if, if, do you think that instead of having 14 different patients a day, if you had seven, that you could dive into their symptoms more and kind of get, you know, under the problem a little better maybe? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I had enough time to do, you know, to really dive through their history and 
you know, look up all their past, all the, you know, previous medications the they've been on. Together, kind exactly, of. and put yeah. the pieces together and go from there. It's sometimes I'm using the whole visit, interviewing the patient to see what happened since we last saw you. Because if they go to other health systems, I don't have access to that information sometimes. Um, and so half the time it's me asking them, what did they do? What medication did they put you on? Whereas sometimes you can just read that in a book. But it, it's hard to get that within a 30-minute slot. And granted, that 30-minute slot doesn't account for vitals being taken. We get an EKG on every patient, which is a tracing of your heart rhythm because that, you know that's our job. But um, it doesn't account for that at all. So when it, when it all comes down to it, you have, what, 15 minutes with the patient? You know, right. theoretically, right. theoretically right. if you're going by your schedule. Right. You have 15 minutes to figure out what's going on, come up with a treatment plan, get the patient accommodated on it, and then go from there. So, okay, wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever you, at the end of the of the appointment, like, I know I'm sure you talk about, it, obviously, heart health and everything, are there mm -hmm. certain foods that you recommend people take for heart health? Like, uh, there's obviously the physical aspect of, like, you know, cardio, pushing your body, you know, to, to help your body perform better, and, but what about the, like, nutrition aspect? Mm -hmm. Are there any, like, heart, healthy, you know, foods? Yeah, so we tell people this is the best for people with heart disease, Mediterranean, don't judge my spelling right now, I'll take it with one hand. <laughs> um, the Mediterranean diet is what we, is what we preach here. Interesting. Yeah, so the Mediterranean diet is really focused, I don't like that picture. This one looks a little bit better. So, it's you know, a lot of fresh fruits, veggies, healthy fats, um, a lot of legumes, nuts, um, fish like salmon, that's really good for you, mm -hmm. high omega-3s, um, chicken, stuff like that. And then also, you, I really talk with people a lot about also how they prepare food. Some people, you know, someone in, in heart failure clinic, I said, what did you eat today? They said, a hot dog. And they're like, but I only had one. But hot dogs have so much sodium packed into it, and people, people just don't realize that. Um, and so, you know, preparation of food and purchasing food especially is really hard. So I always tell people, Start with just throwing away the salt shaker. Like especially people with heart failure or high blood pressure, just throw away the salt shaker. Because adding that salt is just not gonna help you. It's gonna have you hold on to more fluid, you're gonna feel a lot worse, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I talk with people a lot about diet and what to abide by. And with regards to heart rhythm specifically, if they have um, atrial fibrillation, I tell them alcohol in moderation, it's a huge one. And also, high sugar foods have been correlated. And mm -hmm. a lot of times people think that it's not necessarily the alcohol doing it, but the sugar content of the alcohol. So like the classic, the classic PA school like question is, a 38-year-old man goes on a bachelorette trip with all of his friends. He comes into the ED with his heart racing, mm -hmm. palpitations, um, a little bit of chest pain. Probably did a little. Potentially, <laughs> potentially. But he said that he was drinking heavily. Of course. It, it's AFib every time because right. that, that alcohol binge leads, you know, yeah. just tips him over to AFib. What a, what a brag after. I said drink so hard my heart was seeing regular. Yeah. And That's they call it, if you Google it, they, they also call it holiday heart, too. <laughs> they call it holiday heart. Why? Because when you're, like, if you're, like, celebrating, going really hard on a holiday, like, drinking. Oh. Uh, Okay. You get 
Yes, yes, yes. So it's called Holiday Heart, too. Which I is have Holiday Heart this time. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. Kidding. <laughs> I felt like I fucking did. How do you acquire clients? Or, like, how do you get, like, patients, I guess, is very... Yeah, probably so, I mean... How do I acquire clients? I'm not in the business, Alex. What's a client? Yeah, but like, how do you get patients? Like, do they just find you and they just show up and you're just like, hey, you're new? Or like, do they? Yeah, I mean, sometimes. So a lot of times our physicians will get the consults primarily. And then, so we usually see a lot of follow-up visits as the um, APPs, the advanced practice providers, so PAs and NPs. So we tend to see a lot of the, um, like, follow-ups. And then, um, but also, like, when I work in the hospital, too, we'll get consulted. So if it's, you know, someone coming in the ED and they have a new abnormal heart rhythm, they'll consult us. And then that's how they get established with us. And then we'll see them in follow-up and help continue to manage them kind of over time. So usually it kind of starts on based on a referral. But some people do seek out the EP clinic for second opinions. Or if they've been told that they should go see an EP, they'll sometimes just come on their own and say, hey. And does everyone have the same number of patients, like, is everyone pretty much slammed, or is it, like, somehow someone has a really good reputation, so somehow they've just gotten more or more experience or older, or like, I'm just yeah. curious about that. So I would say that is more so for kind of our physicians, because, excuse me, we as APPs just kind of work as a, you know, if people need to be seen in follow-up, they just put them on, mm. on our schedules kind of at random. And then what I do is if I see a patient, I try to see them again, to help with continuity of care, because I've already met the patient, I know their backstory a little bit, stuff like that, and to, to help with, with you know, continuing their care. Um, but, so that, that more so is for our physicians. I don't have like a set number of patients, but it's just kind of, you know, in the hospital, it's whoever we get consulted on, and then whoever we've been, you know, or people we've been seeing in the hospital who've been admitted, we'll just keep rounding on them. And then whoever pops up on my schedule is, that's my patient for the day. What's the, what would you say is the average age of patients? Traditionally. I should have said that. Very careful. No, it's okay. <laughs> what is the average? Yeah, just you, you know. know what HIPAA is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't tell Yeah, no, no. But so I would say most of my patients are, I would say, average 60s, but I have some well, 90s, I have some 20 year olds. Okay. Well, I'm saying you're not giving up any client information. Really. That's why. No, I don't. As long as they don't say, don't do that. That's not right. Just call that one patient. with. Do <laughs> you want to go say it loud for the people? No, Kristen, I was just saying what Kristen was thinking. So you're not listening to a medical professional? No, oh, so. Yeah. Wait, okay. For your question. You remember that Bills player that got not like knocked out? Yeah. It was a heart problem, right? The Bills player was during the playoffs. Oh, I got you. Don't. Um, I believe. I'm, yeah, I'm just curious if you have any idea of what that is. Mm-hmm. What is cardiac arrest? Um, cardiac arrest. Yeah. yeah, so what so happened was. Wait, take the mic. What's it called? Take the mic. Chris, take the mic. Hold on, hold on. I'm trying to. Good job. I can't remember. She's, she's, she's Googling, because that's. No, no, the, the gears are grinding. She's his name. What's the player's name? I forget what it's called. Oh, um. Starts, it starts with a D, so last name starts with an H. I thought... Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. Has some filler while Kristen looks it up. I thought that it was, if you get, like, direct impact, 
to the chest area at a certain time, like in between beats or something. Oh. Just, it just a timing thing? It freezes your heart up. Well, and you got That's not pretty accurate medically, Kristen. Oh, here it is. Okay, sorry, you guys. I forgot the name of it because I'm a bad provider. But so what <laughs> it's called, it's called um, Commotio Cordis. C-M-M-O-T-I-O-C-O-R-D-I-S, for those of you at home who want to Google this. So basically what happens is, okay, now that I got it. Oh, no. Okay, let me put it. So basically what happens is, it's a phenomenon where you get hit in the chest, but it has to be timed specifically. So we have... So it has to be timed specifically. So you have to be hit what? right on the edge of this little T wave here. Okay. What? A little, a quick little lesson. So that first little bump before the big spike uh-huh. is that's the electricity going through the top chambers of your heart. Okay. That big, the bigger spike is the electricity going through this, the bottom chambers of the heart. Okay. Right. So you have two chambers on the top, two on the bottom. Then you have the T wave there, which is kind of when your heart's resetting. If you get hit really hard, or um, or sometimes people have a an extra heartbeat or an early heartbeat that lands right there, it can cause you to go into this rhythm, which is VT or VFib, and this can be potentially deadly. So that's what they think happened to Demar Hamlin is they, that he got hit at a bad timing, and then that's what caused his cardiac arrest was, and so it's all rhythm related. And there are wow. some people more susceptible than others potentially. So. So it also depends because some people it's just bad timing and that was that, right? And then as long as they don't have any, you know, as long as they don't get hit again at that same exact time point, because like I said, these are very specific because not every football player that gets hit, right? Cardiac arrest, right? Yeah, so it's all right. Yeah, that's fine. But actually, there have been. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so oh man. I need maybe I need a non-decaf coffee, but there's a. There's a NBA player who's best friends with Steph Curry. Or no, excuse me, he wasn't an NBA player. He's a formal, former basketball player, best friends with Steph Curry from North Carolina. Omar. Oof. Oh, Omar you're, you're, something. You're not looking at a basketball crap. Omar. Where we're, where we're digging for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep looking. Keep what's the word behind. And so I believe yeah. that he cardiac arrested due to on the court, but he might have had. Oh no, not forget his story. Yeah, Omar Carter. Okay. Yeah. And he has a whole foundation now. It's it's really cool. And they did a something on ESPN. It's called an undeniable bond. That's the uh Is that the ESPN feature with oh, wait, yes. Curry? Yes, that's what it's called. Yep. Yeah. And so it talks about his yeah, so it talks a little bit about his story. And he might have so also some people can have um some athletes and like in especially younger can have pre-existing conditions that we don't know about and they pass out, we do a little bit more testing and find out that they have a genetic disease that could predispose them to these. So they don't necessarily need to be hit, but I had a young kid pass out on the basketball court. Jeez. What? Found, found to have an underlying heart heart condition that likely caused it. Wow. So now and yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie, eight years old? No, 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 no. Um, teens. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Bronnie James just had that time. Yeah, yeah. Too, so. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. interesting. Cool. Well, is there anything about the profession that you want to bring up that we didn't ask? Um. What's your favorite part of it? Yeah. My favorite part is when 
I see people in the hospital and you see them at their worst and they're doing horrible and then they get better over time and you see them in follow up in the office and they look amazing and they're just so grateful and I think that's a lot of um, I think especially in the you know even in kind of everyday stuff but also in the medical profession you're always told what you did wrong what you messed up how you could be better and you know I, I do welcome that because I want to be the best provider I can be but I, I don't hear thank you very often, which I think would be a little bit surprising. Not to say that my patients are ungrateful by any means, but a lot of people don't tell you you're doing a good job or, or you know. Interesting. I almost thought you were going to say you get more thank yous than you did in school, so it's a little better, but it doesn't sound quite. Yeah, I mean, I, no, I definitely get more thank yous than I did when I was in the <laughs> <laughs> I was like stood in the corner and was like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I definitely get more thank yous now, but. People telling you that like you're you're doing a good job, especially from your you know peers and your the other people. I mean, I'm blessed to have a really great group of people that I work with, but also we're humans too, and we make mistakes. And mm-hmm. I think that people overlook that. They, right. um, I'll end with this. One of my favorite things to tell patients is, "Sorry, I didn't bring my crystal ball. I left it at home." They don't laugh at that, but <laughs> like I don't have all the answers, and I don't have a magic pill that can make you better because if I did, I would give it to you right away. Like, I would not hesitate. And people, people want that instant gratification. They want that one pill to make things better. They just want to be better right now and they want me to fix that. And sometimes I can't. So mm-hmm. When I can, it's great. It's wonderful. But sometimes I just can't. Mm-hmm. And it's rough. But, but yeah, I think the thing that I love the most is seeing how far people come and seeing people feel better and to know that that was because of a choice that I made is really rewarding. Very cool. Was that too deep? No, that was great. First uh, professional interview on here. Thank you. I know. (laughs) Tell all my employers here. Thank you. Say that to put your Ohio State jersey. B? No. I'm just going to say um, No. So, the, this, the Ohio State jersey um, was actually maybe a little bit borrowed and then never returned. Um, so we were at a frat party and I put on this jersey and some guy was like, you better not leave with that. And I said, haha, okay. And then I left with it. That's my story. <laughs> and that's how I acquired this Do you know what his name was? Do you feel bad? It's a bad karma right there. Not really. Maybe that's why. I have a super cool jersey. Maybe that's why they haven't won the national championship or, or done well since then. And when's yeah. the last time Penn State won? No, we're gonna we're gonna stay on the topic, all right? But uh, Wait, that, that is savage. New Year's is devastating. He stole a jersey from a guy. Like that is brutal. Like, I did not right. It wasn't. It wasn't planned. It wasn't intended. But that's what happens when you leave your house open and leave your shit everywhere. That's all I'm gonna say. So when you left, you were like, okay, yeah. Like, uh, you didn't think no, I no, I didn't. I didn't think of. I forgot I had it on, and I just was, left you with it. Who, whose jersey is it? I mean, who's the name on the back? Do you know? Ohio State. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's Tom? no name. Do you want to tell us? Oh, I noticed there's, there's nothing that comes before Ohio. On the oh. oh, interesting. So vintage. It's a vintage jersey before the was trademarked. Appears that way. Dang, that's pretty wild. Yeah. What else is interesting is that it's a, it's a 12 Ohio State jersey, so I'm assuming it was bought during the year 2012. Which was Maybe. that's how they do it. That's how they do it. 
If you buy no. a generic college football jersey, so if we were to buy one this year, no. it would have been a 23. If no. You go to Ohio no, State, no, look, look. Yeah, it, it's always like one in five. Right? Usually just popular players. Like, like even if they don't have the names on the back, like that that is a player. Like that's probably your quarterback. That might have been Cardinal Jones. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I disagree, that's not true. Um well, this, no, this, this, jersey, this jersey was I think it was purchased in 2012. But this looks quite vintage. If you buy a generic jersey from any college, it's going to be the year that it currently is. No. It's going to be the season. That's always an option. I disagree with that, Matthew. Yeah. On Wake Forest Student Store, they last year were selling a 23 because it was 2020. And that's the thing. You buy, like, your class jersey. I actually do agree with that on this one. Yeah. Um, no. or, but sometimes, I will also say that sometimes... I, I think it's like, I think it's not untrue is what they might do. What Al- Because Alex is wearing a number one jersey, and I... Doubt it was perfect. Yeah, what's the uh, what's story behind the number one year? This is this is Hamler. KJ um, Hamler is number one. We all, all, we always have a stud receiver at number one. So this is just he had a good year. Nice sweat dropper. If you drop this one more time, and <laughs> so yeah, I just it, it 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 was a popular player at the time. It was a popular jersey, but you could get other numbers. I'm sure there was a year jersey too, but this was from this is with a player in mind. But now this also will go to the next number one. That's jersey keeps on giving. Kind of like that. So, so we've got Kristen in a twelve Ohio State jersey. Alex is rocking the the number one Penn State. Ryan, walk us through what you got. So this is a uh, a throwback. I got this in college. Uh, I believe my my mother had for me. It's a Mitchell and Ness fifty eight Jack Lambert Holmes deluxe jersey. I got a little. I don't know. On it. There's some little. Maybe blood on the front. That'd be sick. I, I really hope it's not that job. It's, it has to be either blood or Heinz fifty-seven. There is no other I think it's yeah. blood. Ho- Who knows? Hopefully both. I think either way it adds character to the jersey. I think so. when I got this, I wore it oh, yeah. three days straight. Yeah. <laughs> did you wash it? Yes or no? After that, yeah. Not for those three days. <laughs> In college? Oh yeah, absolutely. But I can't get the blood out. Bleach, baby. Bleach. I, think I don't know how to... Uh, I think jersey? you keep it. I think you oh, keep nice it. jersey. What? That's on steel or jersey? No, no, no. Not, not the whole thing. Spot tree. I don't want to do that. I got to Google it. Hey, hey, you might have bleach recently, right? No, no, no. I, I failed at it. I, well, I think it worked, but I, I wouldn't go to that out. I don't know how to use bleach. I don't get it. It's too scary. I don't, I don't do, either. Do you actually need like, lots of what you use For clothes too? or for cleaning? Clothes. No. Okay, so basically, your your washer has like a little section. Am I? Do you guys know the washer? Yes. <laughs> so basically, your washer has a little section that you can pour bleach in if you want to add it to like your cycle. So like sometimes some of my whites, not you don't want to do this often because bleach will be weaken the fabric. But if I have like a really bad like couple stains on like some shirts that I want to get out, wash it with like your normal detergent and then you put bleach in like so like I put it in like the side not where like my detergent goes I do remember seeing like a little thing that says bleach but it's but okay so I'm almost terrified I know when we say white though like let's say it's a white shirt that has like a blue collar right so oh, then don't bleach no. so it has to be all so white so you have spot treated 
I don't know how to do that. Well, because like your shirt is like ninety five percent white, but color. Yeah, it has to be a hundo hundo so piece white. This is all I can. Yeah, this is this is why I think I've always been terrified to do it. It's just something that's not even worth learning. And plus, literally, I'm colorblind, <laughs> so like me doing laundry in the first place is damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. You can bleach your colors then, because your eyes already do that. <laughs> I just put everything in there together and I put it on cold water. <laughs> that's literally how I do it. No warms. No, nothing. Put it all right. in there. Your underwear. Uh, socks mm-hmm. and underwear. Warms. Warms. It'll be okay. No, you need to kill those bacteria. <laughs> Chris, no, no, no. Like, well, hot grows bacteria. Cold kills. When it's as hot as the hot cycle, it kills it. That's why you wash towels hot. You want to be honest? Sometimes I forget to transfer my laundry from the washer to the dryer, and I have to wash it again. Oh, you know, so I get, I get, dude, I get two washes in there, so you get so mad at me. I think that is probably. I would also be pissed. Yeah. Adulthood for me is best described as putting clothes in the washer, <laughs> forgetting them for like a day. Yeah, having to wash them that. again, putting them in the dryer, taking them out of the dryer, putting them on the bed, you know, not folding them before you need to go to bed. So putting them back in the dryer. Yes. Yeah, that is adulthood to me. The number of times I've been over Dom's house and it's just a pile of laundry on the um, on the bed, just fresh out, fresh out the dryer. <laughs> yeah, it's going right back in because I'm not folding. Here, firsthand, Celine, how many times have I washed clothes and then had to rewash them again? Every time. Oh. Every she time. said. That's she said every time for the people. seventy-five uh, percent. Seventy percent. So the funniest thing, the funniest thing for me when Kristen was describing like your hots and colds is the fact that she thinks that I actually separate out my socks and underwear from the rest of my laundry. Oh my god! Who does that? Like like, like, when you put it in the washer and dryer, separate. What? No, no, no. Okay, so you separate. So you get you get two piles. Okay. Okay, three actually. So one for white. Oh, I'm out. I'm already out. Okay. Okay, Ryan's out. So you have one for whites, right? So you, they don't get colored, like mixed in with the other colors. You have a warm pile that's your socks, underwears, towels will fall in that category, but don't wash them together. And then you have your colds that are your cold gentles. Gentle stuff you can't mess up. What? That is how it goes. I like, how are you guys doing laundry out here? I just throw, I just I just throw it all in there. Like I really do. Well, what do you say? Do you, know, you send it to a warmer? Water, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Actually, I've been experimenting back and forth, but I've stuck with cold mostly. Dude, don't be hot. It's gonna be your colors are gonna bleed. So that's what happens. One of my shirts, ah. and that's why white bleaching was the thing. Yeah. You know, you live and learn. Was it a good? Was it like a good shirt? Good pant? Okay. All right. That's fair. Then. Yeah. It's okay. It's worth trying. Are you disgusted right now? Like, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disgusted. I'm just like really worried for your all your clothing. <laughs> I, I just don't understand where people found the t- like who yeah. set this up initially that we like, have all these laundries. And you, you, dude, I'm gonna go back to the, the the wash the washing on the 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 ridges with a bucket of water. I'm gonna get back to doing that. That's like hand washing your dishes when you have a dishwasher. Well, some people sounds do horrible. Some people I mean, no, here's the thing. I don't make the rules, you know, and I'm not out here gladly separating my hots and my cold gentles and my whites, but I'm doing it 
four is the longevity of my clothes. You know, Chester, because it's not a feel. Horrible, yeah, I know. But, like, for the wash. I don't know. Who's like, you know what? I got half an hour. Let's separate these things. When you can just throw them in there, get it done, go about your day. Okay, first of all, it takes about three seconds to separate your clothes. It does not. <laughs> I, well... Okay, maybe I'm no. Maybe I'm working. You're, you're being dramatic, Brian. All right, maybe maybe we've talked enough about laundry because I I think we're not going to agree on this. I want to hear about Don's stories now because uh, we got we're all Steelers fans here, so yeah. that's a we'll, we'll be seeing that later in the year. Uh, we're actually really excited. We're probably jumping the ball a little bit on this, by the way. Like football season is a few weeks away, but anyway, let's, yeah. but we're excited on this. First game's Thursday. First game's coming. Yeah, preseason. Preseason. Oh. Pads are going on tomorrow. Wow, we are right on time. So now tell us about what you got. So to relate it back as a, as a segue to laundry like we were just talking about, I just want to let everyone know this jersey has never been washed. Ooh. Kristen looks at me in disgust. I don't think it's really gotten that dirty, though. Jesus. Usually I wear it with a like a, a sweatshirt under it, so I'm not really excited. But it is, uh, it is a Najee Harris, Marquee Steelers running back jersey. Um, and it's definitely not... Is unethical how I obtained it, as how Kristen got hers. But I did order it off of DHgate, which is a Chinese website for like twenty bucks. So we NFL, sorry, don't don't cancel the app now. But we ordered, we ordered. Don't, don't come after all of our assets. <laughs> we ordered. <laughs> <this. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all twelve. Ryan Steelers. Only eight so far. So far, yeah, yeah, that was last year, but this year you started. Okay, I will let the record reflect. I didn't mean to steal it. Okay, this is not premeditated. <laughs> it just happened. So it it's, was it's like manslaughter instead of murder. Yeah. 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 But right. like, but like stealing though, because I never right. put anything. All right. That's fair. Uh, but no, I feel so good to be sitting in a jersey right now, and I think it's it's got us the the uniform switch from serious conversation. To the casual one, I think has got us in a great casual mood. It gets your mind right. So, yeah. with that said, what's our uh, what's our casual topic? Did yeah. you guys know that Benjamin Franklin might have been a serial killer? No. Swear to God. Stop it right now. All right. The this is from Smithsonian Magazine. The article headline is "Why Was Benjamin Franklin's Basement Filled with Skeletons." And so it reads, for nearly two decades, leading up to the signing of the Declaration of blah, 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 he left his English home in 1776 to come back to America. More than 200 years later, 15 bodies were found in the basement, buried in a secret, windowless room beneath the garden. In 1998, conservationists were doing repairs at the house, looking to turn it into a museum. From a one-meter-wide to a one meter deep pit over twelve hundred. Yeah, we don't need that. How many shots is that? That's like that's like two and a half maxes. <laughs> From two and a half maxes to two and a half maxes deep, over twelve hundred pieces of bone were retrieved. Remnants more than a dozen bodies. Six were children. Forensic investigations showed that the bones dated to Franklin's day. Franklin was noted revolutionary and powerful Freemason, Grand Master of Lulua, so it's easy to wonder what dark secrets he might have hidden. But the truth, it turns out, isn't quite so dark. So this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read the next part, but I think it's a hunk wait, of bullshit. Wait, wait. No, no. Okay, sorry. Read the next part. Wait, I wait, 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 wait. Let me first come up with some can potential we, like 
what, what could be next, what could be the reasoning? Yes, you could do that, and then I'll read it, yeah. and then it's so easily to go. But yes, guess. Honestly, my number one guess is he moved in the house after a serial killer lived there, and he put the guys in the two max by two maxes little place. That is my ultimate guess. This is a guy who put a key on a kite. Can he really kill? All of the like most incredible minds are wackos. Like all the people like the, there's just no stimulation in normal life, so you have to yeah. like, kill people to see if you feel like their minds don't work. Yeah. That's the reason they create things that we've never used. Like they have incredible minds. There's a, their brains work differently. So like yeah, they probably do some crazy shit. I still feel like the man on what what bill is he on? A hundred. <laughs> That was a bad number. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Benji, yeah, that's right. Benji's yeah. Yeah. That's how I remembered it, yeah. But I feel like there's no... I, I cannot see that man. Did you see him? He had glasses, long white hair. You don't no. know him. He, 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 I feel he like I know what this guy is. We only know the good things. Here's the thing. Murder is probably really easy to do back then. I hate to say it. Dude, so... Are you kidding me? No video? Dude, when it got dark out, it was... Persian time. I feel like people were just going. Oh man, I have the best side conversation that I don't think we should get into. Wait, no, no, no. Can we say what? Can I finish the article? Yeah. And we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what they say is the most plausible explanation is not mass murder. It was, but an anatomy school ran by Benjamin Franklin's young friend and prodigy William Hewson. Which is weird. Anatomy was still in its infancy. The days of social and ethical morals frowned upon it. Steady apply of human bodies was hard to come by. So, Houston and his friends had to turn over grave robbing and new professional resurrection men to procure cadavers or digging them up themselves to get their hands on specimens. And so they think that they dug up bodies and were doing anatomy, like, you know, experience and stuff in his basement. So even though, like, if that was the, the reason, he still did about it. And Franco was, this says, Franco was probably aware of the illegal studies going on in his building. Um, this says Benjamin Franklin House. It's like a, a company that you know, runs his like, museum and stuff. But it's doubtful that he was ever involved himself. How do they know that? How the fuck do they yeah, know Yeah, no. Highly doubt. If anything, okay, if he didn't move in there when there are already good bodies in the basement, he knew they were there. Yeah. How do you not know there are dead bodies in your This basement? still says, still, we can't imagine that he did, but a curious man that he was... There's no way he didn't like sneak down to check out the proceedings of the special class. Does he have any anatomy findings? Like, did he do any inventions? Wow, well, that's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, that's that's a lot of there's all. no okay. So a lot of times, like procedures, or like not a lot of times, but sometimes medical procedures are named after the person that invented them. Mm. But I don't know of any Ben Franklin medical procedures, or like or, Ben Franklin medical. Well, so, who was the other guy? William what? So the name Houston? of the man was William, William Houston. Last name is W-H-E-W-S-O-N. And the last name of his co-worker was Hunter. Um, so it, it, it was in his infancy. So they might have figured out some stuff, but it probably wasn't published because if it was ever published or figured out, they would be questioned on how they figured it out because it was still in its infancy. It was probably still very legal. Well, and especially if you're grave robbing. I feel like that was like a huge like crime back then, right? I mean, it still is, but... They took six children. That's wild. Or they killed them. 
Yeah, I know, but how would, yeah, exactly, how would they know? Like, they found them, they're doing yes. It yeah. does seem like there would be some fun, like, because what's the point of all the studies if you're not going to release some, like, do you really want to know just to know for your own personal, okay. like, it seems like they're going to release. This sounds like a huge, fun. like, this sounds like a huge, like. I think it's a cover-up, yeah, it's, it's, a cover-up. it's a PR scandal. Because it's like, like you you, you can't don't let Benjamin Franklin be a serial killer. But no way. The guy on our biggest bill was a serial killer? Like, that no would, way. Didn't, okay, wait. Not Benny Hundos. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he sign the declaration? I think he's on there. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That's how the article let off. Right, yeah, 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 it's on there. History was not my strong suit, okay? But there's no way it would let that happen. Just like. What? They, they, they wouldn't let like the truth out? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah, let exactly. Ben Franklin be noticed. They literally, they, they're trying to put a, a nice spin zone on, holy shit, we found 12 bodies in Ben Frankie's basement. Like, how are you going to spend this? For science. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's today, not how they today, you they were already say, dead. He didn't torture them. <laughs> today, you would say that. But they're like, how the fuck are we going to get through this one? No, like, okay, anatomy was young. You know, maybe he was smart and trying to do it. Maybe his friend was trying to do it. Let's just, let's just say that. Like, there's no fucking way that he didn't have anything to do with that. But how easy would it have been back in the day? He was experimenting with lightning, with keys and, and kites. Like, you don't think he experimented on one body? Come on. Just quick fact. Uh, seems like he had some influence on the urinary catheter, but that was it. No! Fuck. But, but I, I don't... You're lying. It was down there on the list, so I think... We might not have. I don't know. We might have to look into this more, but that's it. That's it, though. I don't know. We'll see. We'll take more to do it, but but yeah, that was the story that I wanted to bring up. To tell you guys, yeah. I'm shocked. I needed a reaction. Yeah. Do Do you want to go into the side comment? Yeah, we got. So Alex said, which is what sparked this training. Alex said that it would be super easy to murder someone back then, <laughs> and Thanks. it made me think of another. American history legend Alexander Hamilton and how he died was in a duel yeah. and back then you could just enter into a duel with anybody and kill them and it was legal and here's my take I think that two consenting adults in today's society should be allowed to duel under the under the context so back then they uh-huh. used dueling pistols, right, which are wildly inaccurate and also not that like high powered. So if you're gonna die from it, it's either gonna be you get hit with it and you get like a disease because their medical procedures just suck back then and you just had like this piece of lead in your shoulder, or they get you like square in between the eyes. I think we should have dueling pistols that are like pretty inaccurate, so you're probably gonna miss. And if you hit him anywhere with the head, that's like okay, that sucked, but like I'm alive. How how far away are the? You have to walk like thirteen paces. Are we, are we doing? You like start the, back to back. Well, yep. No, start right. back to back. Walk your paces. Turn around. Fire. Right. And I think that would just solve so many conflicts because it's like you you enter into this like life or death situation, and then you're just like fuck, I'm gonna die. How many people would die a year to do it? That's why. Hear me out. Instead of dueling with pistols. Jousting. Oh, so going like all the way back. But, but, like, how many people die from jousting versus a pistol? Probably, I think probably like a lot of people. 
I don't know if they die, but they like it's super. No, I'm thinking like we. And also, it's 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 restrictive because people that have to have horses and like suits of armor and these long. <laughs> no, 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 no. Assume, assume that organization no. provides all that, right? Like, well, yeah. And also, do you need setting a goal? Are willing? They're so willing to do life or death, like with a maybe a hated enemy. I don't think it's that many because I think it's so hard for us to comprehend. Like literally, someone dying. Like we have people fighting in a UFC match, like bleeding, but there are still guys saying no, 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 no. Like that's considered aggressive for us to literally think of someone dying. I, I don't think it's that many people. I think it's low. Either the low, the, the number of people that would die. Yeah, the number of people that would want to participate. That would make it so interesting, though, if less people did it. Like, let's say, like for people that we knew, like just within, you know. In our lives, like if we, if there were like four duels a year, like one per quarter, that would be wild. But also, you could do paper, you could make so much money off of it. You could do pay per view. You could sell. You could sell tickets, advertising. There would be companies that would like make armor. Well, and here's the thing: if it's going to be a huge event like that, do you have medical staff present in order to prevent? So, like how Alex was saying. UFC, they kind of like hold back a little bit so they don't like knock someone out when they're, or they don't like keep hitting someone if they're like KO'd, right? But would there be medical professionals like rapid response, first responders there? Yes or no? I don't help with the, the death side if the Americans came here. No, you, you can't. The death side is, is it now if you get shot and you don't die, maybe that's a risk, right? So it's like. You shot in the arm. You can just sit there while you're. Plenty of people survive gunshots, right? But I think, especially from a dueling pistol, like we're talking, like it's it's basically a pellet gun. Dueling. We still are we talking lead ball? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Whatever, whatever it was at the time. Gunpowder. Yeah, it's got it's one shot. It's one shot. You don't have more than one shot. So you walk your paces. You turn around. You fire. Chances are both miss because it's like the the pistols are not accurate, Mm -hmm. right? Like. But then you just like that's your frustration. You're like, all right, we're good now. You say they're not accurate, but Alexander Hamilton died. Yeah, but that was rare. Like most of the time, people did not get hit. What's the stats? If what you're stats if you're that popular, why are you doing? It? You know, because you're heated. Yeah, but like, who are you? Who and, are you doing? and here's the thing: it would you settle. What someone it must know get under your skin. It would settle. I think it, I think it was over a woman, maybe. Uh, it was, oh, it was some uh, Aaron Burr, I think. Was no, it, it wasn't. I don't think it was over a woman. A woman. It was over like the presidency or like the treasury or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Treasury something might be right. Yeah. Are you looking it up? I don't know my phone. On it's oh, Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr versus yeah. Alexander Hamilton, I believe. Um, but my thought is, it's it's conflict resolution because it's like if we're talking about something and we're heated. Right? And I'm like, alright, I challenge you to a duel. You're just like, oh, I don't care about it that much. Like, okay, fine, you win. Okay. This is wild. It looks like the duel was over a long-lived political and personal battle. But I don't think it was over a woman. I think it was just over kind of everything leading up to it. They were like always kind of trying to one-up each other. And I think it all came to like I think if it says personal, there's no way it wasn't about a woman. Yeah. And, I love it. Right. Charges. So, so I'm reading this. It says charges, Burr, murder, dismissed. 
Yeah, because it's what? a duel. That's what I think. And honestly, I think if we could, if we could make it like popular enough, I think like just a lot of people own dueling pistols, and then there's just like an app that has like the legal, like both people have to consent. So they like to get to, to the like in the event that someone in the event that someone dies, okay. you do not get charged with murder because it was two consenting adults to the duel. As long as the rules of the duel follow, so I think you have you just have like a pretty standard template for like here's what you have to sign off on the duel. You do face ID on your iPhone. You have to have like a third party or something like that. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard out of your mouth. <laughs> No one will do this. And no, I don't want to be televised, Ryan. <laughs> Show each other football stars on people. I should have known you were going to take this up. Uh, but I thought, if anything, this, I would be the one to bring it up, and you two would be the one to talk me down. <laughs> I, I, well, I have two you more points to make. One, one, thing, one thing, because we were talking about this personal one, was it over a woman? Kristen, if you have two men involved in your life, and... They both love you, and they do. Can I answer this before you say? It? <laughs> I do not want someone to kill another person to want to be with me. That's psychotic. Then if I try to leave them, they'll kill me. Wait, hey, what part of you be like? It's a tool. It's, 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 it's a cultural norm. It's a cultural norm. No, I would support jousting because less of a chance of that. But a dueling pistols? No, your inaccuracy does not. She would rather see, like, you would rather see a joust slip past armor, go through their neck, than you would see yeah, a bullet and bleed out from their neck. That's the chances of death in this dueling scenario are so low. Oh, you think low? In dueling? Yeah. Oh, with because the gun, you have to get hit specific. The yeah, the gun sucks. You have to get hit specifically, like, in between your eyebrows to die from this. If you get hit, like, anywhere else, you're, you're fine. Like, like it's medical bills? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. you're not fine, but it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> but or yeah, dude, if you get hit in the chest, I feel like you're I think it'd also be great television if, if it was televised. Yeah. I think I think people would love pay per view. Yes. Like if you could watch modern day gladiators, like actually they're all consenting, but they fight for the death. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have these simulations and Renaissance fairs, so you can you can go there, but usually... Alex, there's not the thrill. How often do you find yourself watching Renaissance fair fights? I, I don't, that's the thing. I don't think that's very popular right now, either. I'm telling you, people want to see it. But they have turkey legs at Renaissance fairs. <laughs> All right, well, comment below or follow the set of polls see if you watch that, because... We get enough uh, yeses, maybe. We I feel like we're here. Yeah, that's a great poll, and you can still get a turkey leg and watch people die. Mm. They're all consenting. They're all if they're consenting. all consenting. Okay, and they make a lot of money if they win. You know, it's all commercialized stuff. So, so we've talked about the past, but what about the future? The <gasps> story about the UFOs. Ryan, I know it's a topic we, uh, we've talked about a lot, so we, if you guys haven't seen, but there's been a House congressional hearing about UFOs and transparency of basically all this information. A lot of people in the House of representatives are eagerly trying to get you know information declassified, um, and there's some pretty interesting things said uh, I don't know, during that day hearing, so what do you do with so, first of all, I'm just disappointed that, like, in society that not everyone is talking about it right now. Like, 
it blows my mind. Like, if someone from the seat, correct me if I'm wrong, it, um, what's his name? Um, the name, what, David Fraber and Ryan Graves were this yeah. new naval pilots that spoke about it. And David Fraber is the most straight edge military, and Ryan Graves, straight edge military men you've ever heard talk. And they're like, you know, we're not saying it's this, but it couldn't be anything else. Like, you go and talk, and then you hear Grush. What's his, how are you looking? Uh, his name, I want to get his name right. Where is it? I want to hear it. What, what's his name? You guys have no idea. idea. Have you guys seen uh, any of this part yeah, on the I've news? Seen, just so. I've seen like brief clips on it. Okay. And I do have a take on this that counters Ryan, so I'll let him go first. With David Rush, who. Can, no, I want to hear your take on it. I want to hear your take on it. And that's what you want. So you're, you're, you just like think it's crazy that not everyone is talking about it? Well, the fact that for that we just the fact that the congressional hearing was tried to been stopped multiple times that they continued on with it that they wouldn't allow anyone in Congress to listen to the skiff where they turn in like the facts and all that stuff that they can't see and the fact that someone who worked high up in I believe it was the CIA came out and just said like what he said and like. And he's a whistleblower. Like now, there is a platform where whistleblowers, like, well, you know, where they can, they're 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 legally okay, like, and they're tolerated to say this stuff. And the fact that someone's coming out and he has been, he's gaining nothing from this. Like he even said, like, in his physical, in his personal life, and in his professional life, like, he has been messed with so much because of this. Like, and it's almost like, rude. and so like, why would he? And he thinks that the people need to know, and he's coming out and saying. And it's ruining his life because of it. But it's that important, and no one's like, "Holy shit!" Like this stuff that he's talking about. Like I, I don't understand. I don't okay, know what I'm about. I have follow up questions, and this might need to come later. But what are we? Okay, so if there are UFOs, what are we going to do with that information? Like, 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 what is the plan there? Like, are we just going to know what is it? Does he want people to know, just have the knowledge of it? Or does he want us to, like, start preparing ourselves for the alien invasion? Like, no, not that. Well, well, the reason that the two Navy pilots were there is because there was never a platform to where anyone who could fly in any um, military, any armed with military, like, if they saw anything, there was nowhere there to report it to. And it got to a point where they saw there were so many sightings that it was like their radars weren't working at some points and like all of the stuff that was happening and like they thought there were technical glitches and like there were serious problems that they needed to address and there was no one that they could go to. So it was like it, it was it was a hazard for pilots. So it's less about the UFO and more about the safety. Yeah, exactly. It's less about oh, okay. the, the consistence of aliens. Now there were some you know lines that were said like. Um, someone asked, uh, was there like non-human biological um, remains, you know, found at this one crash site? And he said, yes, it's most certainly thing I've ever seen. Me and my wife, well, our wife was destroyed about this. So there was like a little bit of that, but it was mostly what Ryan said, like, so mostly there's no inability to report things for a safety perspective. Correct. Correct. That was yeah. the main. That was the reason that they're giving us. There's never been like a whistleblower platform anywhere that they could report some of this stuff, and people have tried to correct. 
Well, there is a national UFO reporting actually organization, but it's not. I don't think it's backed up. Right, but no one in the military or in the CIA or anyone who had any classified information or felt like it should be said, right? No one had that platform. Yeah, this is like mom and pop from like their cow cows in the mountains, and they're like, oh, I see it. Right, right, right. Yeah. So tell me then, Ryan, why is this important to me, the, the everyman? What, what, what do I. What do I well, because. Why, why do I even care about you this? You know how people, people have always wondered, you know. Is there something out there? Is the government hiding something from us? Do they have something from us that we, you know, that we don't know about? And the fact that you know someone from the government came out and said, "I know things that the common person doesn't," and I'm coming out and I'm saying that the speculation is true. Like it just it kind of gives more probability to the question that you know. There has been things hidden from us that we probably should know, but at the same time, it's probably for national security reasons. And there has been someone said, you know, some of these UFOs or UAPs, as they call them, you know, some of them we have engineered ourselves, and some of them are ours, but some of them are not. See, I just don't know why we need to know. Like, what is it? Why do you not want to know? You're not curious at all. I, I assume there are aliens, and I just, no, don't, yeah, I, I just don't really... Like, unless there's something, like, actual that's coming out of this, like, what am I going to do, like, if I know there's a UFO? It's like, oh, well, I already thought that... I have assumed that the government has probably found stuff like that and not told us, and it's like, I don't expect them to tell us. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, so... Unless it's, like, there's going to be an alien invasion and you all need to, like, need bunker to it out, yeah. then, like, I don't want to know about it, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it'd be cool. Life would inherently change everywhere for if we found out and confirmed this publicly. So I totally understand why everyone's having it. Like, I, I'm not for that. But it, but that's like people's views of religion would be completely changed. Like, people's like livelihoods and their goals would completely change. Especially if, you know, we are defenseless. Like, like if we have no power at all, like, there probably is no good way to tell people Hey, by the way, like we're just far, you know, like. But how do you know if we're powerless against aliens? Like, what if it's just another species, like a dog or a cat, that's just trying to live their life out there, not trying to You know, like, what if it's just like, like we don't know? Like, are are aliens really? Is there mangled trying to kill us? Like, is that truly no. it, or is that what sci-fi and like the media have been like? I don't think us to there's be? never been. So we, from reports, we've only attacked them; they never attacked us. But that, that was such a laissez-faire kind of like, like perspective on it. Like as Alex said, it would literally change everything about our lives if it was confirmed. From religion to I mean to how we study physics and how we study science and how we just just gravity overall, like how things it, live and math and everything. You're saying if solely the you're just saying if the existence of aliens was confirmed. Well, in the existence of some I don't other, think that changes my life. I don't know. One I, iota. Yeah. At all. Well, and I my think... My day-to-day is not change at all. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. No, I, I would think about it... What? I would think about it so much. But I agree. Because what I do you obviously do about it? See, there's nothing you can... Like, unless you want to change your whole course of life to, like, study it or no, something. No, I would, like, but I would still be so enthralled in it. it I would be, say, like, like unless, they're, unless they're, like, actively trying to, like kill us or destroy us, then of course I would think about it. But if they're just out there living their life on like Mars having a blast, I'm like, good for them. I would do that, that's fair. If you if there's no like 
contact or interaction. And there's no threat, right? I think it's well, I think it's a threat. That to me is like Wait, the biggest really? problem. You think aliens existing is a threat? Them now when they're when you read these things and they say that or like their technologies like. So you feel like a, a, do, you, do you feel like a giant squid in the deep dark ocean that you'll never that like even though it could be like I don't know if it's deadly or not but like is that a threat to you? But even if you don't interact with it, uh, what's, that's, the that's you have, good. what's what's the chance you have death by giant squid? Uh, I, Likely very very low. That's, but, that's a good metaphor. But the thing right? is, it's in the ocean. It's not going to come out of the ocean to get me. Like what these the life forms on Mars. Been, been great for them. That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> okay, you're saying you wait till the last the, minute. Like the sheer had, fact of knowing is going to alter. Knowing that they're there is going to alter your entire life, even though there's nothing you can do about it. No, not alter my life, but it completely would blow a lot of ideas out of like out of the water. And it would. I obviously think that there are, is something there, and there are things out there. I don't know how they got here. I don't know. I don't know how it blows out of the water. I think it advances well, science. I don't think it blows religion out of the way. I think a lot of it. Where in religion does it say that there's no other Celestial living being? Like, we have plenty of living beings on Earth that religion doesn't apply to. I, I, I don't understand it all. What so, you're trying to say. Well, it, it just contradicts a lot of what the world is saying. Like there's, I guess I guess there's nothing, I don't think there's anything that says nothing else exists out there but Earth. I don't, I don't know. I actually probably should look at that, but my point is, like, the purpose of people would be way lower because someone's, like, it, let's say they give us this information, like, technology and all stuff. Like, we're, we're now not innovating. And innovating is, like, the core, the core driver of people, I believe. Purpose and innovation. And if both of those things are subject to someone else has figured out how to do it already, then we're, like, what's the point? What's the point so of doing that? That happens all the time. You, like, it just advances our side. Like, 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 what, what do you mean? What do you mean? This is like, 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 like a smaller like, scale. You get a cut, and they they have an immediate cure, like a, a, a cure pill. That's awesome for us. Uh, but that, that's like, that's like, like what, what's Chris what's Christian going to do? Dude, what? Chris Grabber told my patients so they get better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is like the same exact concept as before the world was... Before Earth was like globalized, this is explorers sailing across the sea and finding new yeah. people, and it's like, did that just blow their whole lives? Like, maybe, yeah, but it's yeah, it did. But, but imagine back in the day, like mathematics was discovered, and people were like, look, look at our jobs now. Everyone deals with numbers, math, like. Everything, everything does. But back in the day, imagine like mathematics was discovered, and people were like, well, how is that going to like be imper- interpreted in my job, in my day? And then a few hundred years later, like it's. But also, like, do the aliens have iPhones? You know, like, could we share our technology too with them? I'm and, sure like, they exchange for stuff. Our shit. Really? Yes. You feel like the aliens are that advanced already? So here's how it's got to be. I think it's so much simpler to think about than you than you guys would think. There's, I think. That's the, I think they're so. Big there's though. so many different. There's so many different users. There's there's aliens out there. Okay, this, this is my philosophy. There's aliens out there. There's a ton of them. There's so many that are so far behind where we're at, and any that could come to our planet are obviously so much further along than we are. 
That's, that's yeah, that's, I agree. That's all it is. Absolutely. And so, like, and so of course it's of course it's scary because it's it's unknown. I don't think it's scary. I think it's just fascinating. It's okay. kind of scary. It's kind of scary. When it's like, right. I said, like, it would not change my day to day, but I would if knowing there's another life form out there. Like I would want to learn about it, just like how some people are fascinated with you know different cultures and countries and traveling the world. Like if there was another world out there. Like, I just think that'd be so fascinating to learn about. Like, because mm-hmm. it's something that we've never heard of before. It's a, it's a first for humans, for life, which is incredible. But I feel like when new species of, like, plants or animals are, like, also noted, I feel like it's just very similar to that. But it's just, well, but because they're termed aliens and they're not on our planet Earth, that's why it's, like, super blown out of proportion, right? Or what's the first one other than us? Yeah. Well, because there's so many different plants already. Dinosaurs walk so we could run. That's true. Just it. Closest uh, closest animal today to a T Rex is a chicken. Really? No, I thought I thought it was. No, no, I'm saying the closest uh, relative of an animal that lives today, closest to a T Rex, is a chicken. Yes, but yes, alligators are. I love that chicken. I love that for chickens. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I just think it wouldn't change my day to day. It's just, it'd be so fascinating to learn about. It would change. I just, I, I, here's what I'll say. I think the sheer, the sheer, my, my point before seemed like it sucked, but it did. Okay. There's, I don't know. (laughs) You guys all laughed at me. No, Y'all laughed at me. No, no. But I'm saying the sheer fact of knowing that they exist, I think, shouldn't change anything. Yeah. What you're saying is like if we have meaningful interaction with them, then yeah, that that probably does change things, and that could change right. a lot of things like you know the, the like our technology, if it peaceful at least, like our our technology and how we view that. And if they were violent, then obviously that changes mm-hmm. our lives because now it's like we're being taken over. Oh, uh, sorry, I, I think. Well, also the exploratory phase of like being able to actually send someone to another planet and like like think about astronauts for us like our astronauts we're not sending them places to be violent right like those are our explorers so I assume the equivalent of anyone that gets any like foreign life form that gets found on earth is generally going to be pretty peaceful because it's an explorer you would think and I think the time it takes between getting to the state where you can explore somewhere and like getting to the stage where you can wage intergalactic war has got to be so far. But Christopher Columbus killed a bunch of people. And he was an explorer. That's fair. That's fair. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it would be interesting, but I guess we, we kind of pass... I, I guess we all agree here that they exist. Is that what we're going to say? I, 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 don't, I don't doubt that at all. It's, but it's also not something yeah. I think about very much. I... I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible of an idea, but I'm not going to believe they exist until I have a little bit of proof. Do you think that all of these sightings are accurate or like or like um, believable? Because so get this: after the hearing, 403 reports came out about UFO sightings. So a huge surge in, in sightings, which to me seems like. Well, people are probably seeing things, right? Because they hear things, and they see things, and like, may, like maybe people literally just see stuff that we don't. Well, and we don't see the same. Sh- and also, stuff. think about it this way as well. Like when you have so in true crime, 
they have found that eyewitness statements are not always reliable. So you might remember a red car with, I don't know, a broken door. Or in reality, it's a white car with a broken windshield or something. Like, eyewitness is not always... Right. Is not always, you know, the... the the truth. Right. Because our mind can always play tricks on us. That's what I was thinking, is it's sometimes mind stuff. And I know there's photos, but... Well, I'm like, do you guys remember the, like, um, did you have the, is this dress blue or white? Do you remember that thing on Twitter that went around? Yeah. Is this dress blue or white? So, like, you can convince yourself to see both if you really wanted to. Like, if you look at it differently in different times, with different lighting and stuff, you can convince yourself either way. So, I feel like, you know, do I do I think that everyone's lying, making it up? No, I think that these people truly believe that they might have seen something, but was it actually there, or was it something else, or you know what was happening? That that I think we just don't know, right? Oh yeah, I think some of them were yeah. People thought they saw something, they reported that you know, probably was nothing, but then they're you know I think some of them probably are legit, just from different stories and stuff. But I know there have been a lot of sightings over nuclear power plants, which was kind of wild. Mm-hmm. There's some stories about that, yeah. But, and then there's a lot off the coast. I mean, a lot of, it makes sense that a lot of pilots see them, right? Like, yeah. But then a pilot who knows exactly how an aircraft flies, mm-hmm. in what motion, what speed, against wind, like there's so many factors out there, and then they see what they saw. And like, you know, that, that, that's that's when people are like, okay, like, let's listen to this. You know what I mean? And like, David Fraber, who was the most like, you know, like cut and dry, just, you know, straight, Pilot, like you've ever heard talk, which is that's when people sit up and they're like, oh wow, okay, this guy's talking about it? Then he probably was. Okay, I have a follow up question. Oh. No. No, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Would you rather, this is a little would you rather here, would you rather, if the world's gonna be under attack, would you rather have it be by aliens or by? Machine. <laughs> this is a fantastic question. Oh, I want to know your guys' take. <laughs> wow, I don't want either personally. <laughs> well, no, but if you had to pick one. Wow, there's a lot of variables here. Machines? Like, are you talking about Transformers? Like, are they... like as in like AI, like, oh. like technology takes over. Oh, aliens. You want aliens? Easy, Easy choice. Dude, you know, uh, I know. I, why? All we need to do is just like throw a cup of water on the server. Say aliens. Okay. Right. I say AI. Okay. So, 
I also feel like the aliens, because I feel like technology is so involved in our lives. Like, we can't get anywhere without a phone. So if a phone could, like, lead us to our death, I feel like that's scarier. Right? So true. Sorry. Not to, like, get, like, yeah. But I feel like that's scarier than, like, me fighting a foreign. What if it, oh my god, what if it gave you, like, directions on your phone driving somewhere and you just drove off the cliff? It happened in the office. It's real. (laughs) <laughs> you remember that episode? Yeah, yeah. The pond? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, make a right, make a right now! And they, kind of just, they drive down the ring into the water. It's still awesome. Incredible. Yeah. Alright. But yeah, we're, uh, football, Ben Franklin kill people, and UFOs. <laughs> Thank you for having me, I appreciate it.